Hey SNL fans, Mike Bloom here, just giving you another little preamble before this month's podcast. Uh, So we're still experimenting with format here. You'll see in this podcast, we go sort of back to what Rich and Rob used to do, going a little bit sketch by sketch, uh, getting a few touch points with Kristen Stewart, but mostly focusing on the Alec Baldwin show. So we'd love to hear your thoughts about this format, the previous format we did. Let us know what you think works best for the podcast. You can always reach out to us on social media. I am at a Mike Bloom type. Rich is at Rich. Other thing, if you are subscribed to this podcast, uh, you already know how to do it. But for those of you that may be listening on the website, just to let you guys know, this is not on the regular post-show recaps feed. We're trying something different with the hosting as well. These podcasts are available on the SNL-only feed. Uh, To make sure you're subscribed to that and to not miss any one of our episodes, both now and upcoming, subscribe to that at postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes. Again, that's postshowrecaps.com slash SNL iTunes there. If you'd love to leave us a rating and review, let us know how you're enjoying this new format of the podcast. Of course, we always love that. That being said, enjoy February in review. All right, we're going to talk about Alec Baldwin. Of course, we're going to talk a little bit about Kristen Stewart. We're going to talk about the good. We're going to talk about the bad. But at the top of the podcast, I want to start talking about something specific. I want to talk about 12.02 a.m. last Sunday night. We've all come out of the Totino Super Bowl commercial. We're all watching live. And they come to us to the, the thing of the Sean Spicer press conference. And out comes... Melissa McCarthy, which nobody saw coming, nobody expected, and for those of us watching, it is the moment. It is the moment that we all talk about. It is the perfect confluence of a pop culture moment or a, or a current event moment that needs to be made fun of but doesn't have the bright light on it where everyone is saying, what is SNL going to do, tied with gorgeous writing, beautiful writing from whomever, we don't know, from the the brain bank of Saturday Night Live, the best writers doing their best work with one of the great comedy performers of our lifetime, Melissa McCarthy, completely unexpected. Nobody on Twitter is saying, oh my God, Melissa McCarthy looks like so much like Sean Spicer. And you have this moment of it all comes together that it's so funny that Jen and I are just like staring at each other in amazement of how funny this is. But this is why I bring it up here at the top of the show. If you saw that sketch on Sunday morning on YouTube, you don't count in this conversation. If you saw it because your friends told you how funny it was and you went back and you saw it, you don't count. If you saw a clip of it on a news show, you don't count because you don't get what we get, the fans of SNL, this moment of complete surprise. It's a cold open at 12.02. The show's been on the air for (laughs) half an hour and there's this moment of just sheer comedy perfection that none of us see coming this is why we are fans of saturday night live this is why we watch through the crappy episodes and through the cat 
and Garth and the Californians and all of the stuff that we wish we could get our lives back because we get this moment. We get the moment of, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened and we're in the club and tomorrow everyone will be in the club with us but just for now we're in the club and if you're listening to this podcast with us you're in the club too this is why we do what we do and this is the snl recap podcast i am your host rich tackenberg i am super glad that you're here with me as always from new york mr mike bloom hello mike preach being here rich i'm using a boat talk obviously love it love it Colonita, uh, and uh, from downstairs, from below me, but only <laughs> only physically, not anything else, is the first lady of this podcast, Genevieve Melville, my wife Jen, my co-watcher of SNL. Hello, <laughs> hello. I feel like I need to give you a little round of applause. I that was sort of like uh, a. Oh, uh, this is why we do what we I feel do. Like I'm so at a rally or something. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> this this is my. I haven't been to downtown LA. I haven't worn the pink hat, but this is my <laughs> SNL is rally. Moment, yeah. I'm rallying for SNL. So. Uh, uh, as some of our friends on Twitter have seen, we're sort of figuring out what this uh, format could look like uh, because we had sort of two big episodes. We're coming at you now. We're, we're going to do is we're going to start by going back with Kristen Stewart and really just touch on about four or five sketches that we thought were worth calling out or, or, or moments on the show. And then we're going to reset and, and then go through uh, Alec Baldwin's le- episode from last night, sketch by sketch, kind of classic style. So um, let's get it started. Um, uh, just generally speaking, I would say uh, those of us who heard uh, the last podcast heard me with the lowest possible expectations of Kristen Stewart. Um, And I want to say that the show sort of really sort of elevated beyond Kristen Stewart, I will say, and I know this is a mean thing to say, I think Kristen Stewart did not fail to uh, disappoint me. I thought that she (laughs) was uh, she was a rough, uh, a rough host. Uh, And in some some sketches, it was fine. And in some sketches, I thought it materially affected the comedy but overall I thought we had a a really funny night and I think sometimes our favorite SNLs are the pleasant surprises that nobody saw coming absolutely uh going back to my completely objective 100% correct ranking of SNL episodes this season uh this slotted in at number five uh right Mm. below Emma Stone which to me is pretty negligible Uh, the only reason why I put Stone above Stewart is because I do feel like the Emma Stone episode was Pretty solid overall from a consistent basis. Uh, we're going to talk about a few sketches here that kind of tanked. There were a few sketches that were pretty blasé. I do agree about your take on Kristen Stewart even after the fact. I think this episode is a fantastic example of how SNL can take a so-so host, but the writing and performances just elevate it past the level of that host. And we're going to see the other case in the second episode of someone who kind of comes in as a big shot. And as a result, maybe the writing doesn't match up to it or they sort of rely too much on the performance. But, I mean, I'm willing to call this the surprise episode of the season so far. I was with you. Did not expect anything from this episode. We got at least two to three really good sketches. One amazing sketch that I'm sure you alluded to and we're going to talk more about. But I was tickled pink at watching this entire episode. Yeah, I, I agree. I and I will say we'll get to it. I think I think this episode maybe fizzled out a little more uh than other episodes, although Alec Baldwin, I will say, came to a crashing halt, which is a little bit different. Uh but let's jump in. Let's let's talk about really, especially with what worked, I think right off the bat, uh a big surprise for me again, breaking uh, b- uh expectations, knowing that Alec Baldwin was gonna host the next week. I did not expect that we would see him here. And yet here he is as President Trump in the Oval Office. 
Uh, the angel of death, uh, Steve Bannon, is with him, and they start rolling phone calls uh, to different government leaders, sort of touching on a bunch of the current events that that went here. Um, and I thought this was—it's interesting, you know. Obviously, not knowing what was coming later on on the show, I was very excited to see Baldwin back because there was just so much to cover. Um, and I thought that everything was—I thought this was a very solid B cold open in that I think everything felt good. I don't know that there was anything that was necessarily great. A lot, but but still, like I think I had a solid smile on my face the whole time. But maybe I didn't laugh out loud yeah. as, as I would like. Yeah, I agree. I didn't laugh out loud at all. But I feel like, and I feel like, as far as the other sort of sketches like this with Trump, this is probably one of my least favorites. Um, one of the weaker ones. Um, not sure how I feel about the Grim Reaper as Steve Bannon. Yeah, what did you guys think? Yeah, that's I enjoyed it the first time we saw it, which I forget. It was one of those post-election episodes where they brought it up and the talk about Bannon was first occurring in the media. I think it's a fun idea in terms of canon that they kept going with it. I feel like from an actual execution standpoint, it's may- it's maybe not marking up because they're using a voice modifier, it seems, and someone has to actually talk behind a mask. Maybe it's like Mikey Day or something. Yep. You don't really know the identity yet, but... That makes things tough from, you know, a sound editor's perspective and from the performer's perspective because they really can't do anything other than talk behind a mask. I wish SNL could try to do it in a way to, you know, not make him talk maybe. I know like in the uh, in the People's Court sketch that we're going to talk about from the Baldwin episode, he was just sort of looming as a specter in the background and that maybe could have been enough. Of course, though, then you lose out on those fun jokes about, you know, Steve Bannon saying like, okay – like, you can get out of my desk and go to your little desk with a little expandy ball. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a right, fun moment. Right, that was funny. I, I, liked, I, liked going through the, I liked going through the Rolodex as well. We talked about, last time we were here, about Kate McKinnon appearing as Olya Pavlotsky in the Putin cold open. Here we have another Weekend Update character coming back to the main sketches with uh, Angela Merkel making, you know, she even makes the Barack's call out at the beginning. I thought it was, like, pretty, the energy was good. I felt that even though this might be more fun than funny, I do feel like the energy was good because you keep going back to calls and you have Alex Moffat do a fun little bit as the president of Mexico. Keenan Thompson killed it K- as the K- dictator. K- Go ahead. No, I was saying K. K. Yes, exactly. Right. I, I K- love that. That was so, and then you no, know and then I love the what? callback, the, the, yeah. the literal callback to it too of you know him trying to, to, yeah. to get him to pay for the wall and then Keenan killed it as uh, I think it's Mugabe, the Zimbabwe dictator. Zimbabwe, was, yeah. Was a you lot can't even walk downstairs, right, you little bitch? That right. Was so funny. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. my favorite because you didn't see that coming. Yes. Yeah. The and I love we're we just sort of expected. inventing a character out of nowhere. We're right. just saying like, right. hey, like let's that. do this as a character. It was great. Yeah. And I hope they do more of that too, of just kind of building out characters that maybe we don't know or don't exist instead of always sort of um, relying on real people. I think that can be fun. Yeah, and I want to close the loop on the Bannon thing because I remember the first time we saw him as death, it, it got a lot of positive, and I was not in that camp. I, I do feel like when you put him behind a mask, you're making a really talented SNL actor a prop because now it's really just a visual sight gag, and the minute we see him, we're just laughing at the prop, but mm-hmm. we're not seeing facial expressions. We're not seeing right. looks. We're not hearing nuances, so there's really not much to do. It makes me think, you know, like, 
like you think about Jason Sudeikis as the devil was a similar idea, except that Jason Sudeikis could play the full range of emotion because he wasn't behind a mask. So I think that while I am not in the pro bring on Rosie to play Bannon camp, I think you, you have to at least alter the costume. The angel of death thing is, is a, is a sight gag that has run its course and now it's time to evolve. Yeah, I agree. I'll be interested to see what they do with it. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's jump ahead. I think uh, I think the uh, uh, Kristen Stewart uh, ho- hosting a monologue we can absolutely skip, uh, as did most people who had this <laughs> Would on Would you DVR. say F this? Yeah. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the most interesting she did is curse. And in 2017, that's not even that exciting anymore. So <laughs> uh, so let's – and I'm going to skip the, uh, the, 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 the video from the, the TSA because that also it was sort of a kind of here nor there for me. Um, but I wanted to hear what you guys think about dry Fridays. This was this was for me. Uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna seed the floor first. I want to hear what you guys think uh, about our sketch of sort of a college group of people who've all been busted for alcohol, having to sort of have this little support group together to talk about what it what they're like when they're drinking. And our, our character played by Kristen Stewart uh, has a little bit crazier of a life uh, than anyone else. And I'm interested how this sort of uh, hit you. How about you, Mike? What did you think of this? So remember in the Felicity Jones monologue when hologram Tina Fey advised her, you know, when you walk into a scene and you say, this is my friend Ray Ray at this baby shower, you know that you're not the funny one. I feel like she was setting up, okay, Felicity Jones is going to be a a straight man in a lot of these scenes. This wasn't sort of maybe a warning call to SNL that, you know, maybe Kristen Stewart in these live sketches should not be the crazy person. Uh, because I think there was just something off with the timing here. It's, mm-hmm. I think there were much better sketches that we're going to talk about, and it kind of stinks that this was the one that led off. Rich, I know you always provide the theory that like maybe this killed in dress rehearsals, so they bumped it up. That's the only reason I could think of it. I think Kristen Stewart might fit the archetype of like a kid at a college very well, but there was just something about the timing. Specifically, I mean, I have to point to that no-hawk moment where first, I thought she almost said the F word again and almost bloated herself, or maybe that was just on purpose. And then she stutters through the no-hawk thing, and the, so the reveal doesn't become as smooth as it could be. I mean, it did sort of get saved later on when Mikey Day and um, and Cecily, who were both the big stray men in the scene, did a fantastic job of, you know, hey, you know, if you want to just pop that beanie back on, that'd be great. Uh, I thought that was a nice, fun sort of time to go back to the well, uh, even though that well was not did not have great water to begin with. And the escalations were interesting, and they were weird in from a writing perspective. Honestly, I just kind of wished we had either one of the other cast members or maybe a more electric host in a live setting to be able to really make it weird and revel in that weirdness. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I thought this was not this was not a not a, a boy, um, but I thought you're right. I thought this was really showed how Kristen Stewart struggled. Mm-hmm. Even you're right, she she choked on the most important line, setting up the no hawk, and then just didn't kind of have the moves. And again, she's not a comedy actor, so I'm mm-hmm. not just bagging right. on Kristen Stewart. If if we were doing a live show all about vampires, I would be making fun of other people and not her. But this is not her ballywick, so you could see that this sketch there was a lot of fun stuff that mr shinto could have been really interesting and the dog tracking chip in her neck was only a kind of a meh 
eh, okay. Um, but I will say also you could see the strength in in the cast as supporting characters and as straight people that you're right, Mike. Mikey Day and Cecily Strong did a great job of straight manning this, as did everybody else in this. Uh, and I think with a weaker cast, this could have been a real uh, boy fast forward moment. And yet, and it turned out to be uh, a really fun moment. I will guess from behind the scenes, I bet that this was swapped after rehearsal with uh, Celebrity Family Feud, which would have been the normal, big, huge cast, huge, you know, impressions, topical moment that you probably would have seen coming out of, a, you know, a video after the cold uh, after the monologue that probably just didn't kill enough. And because and, we're not going to talk about it, I'll say that was very a very sort of mediocre Celebrity Family Feud, uh, mediocre impressions and mediocre uh, lines from Steve Harvey insulting the characters, which is really what makes that sketch work. So I suspect that they flipped this. And if if in a dress rehearsal, if if Kristen Stewart had been really on point, I bet this could have been a hmm. really funny sketch. Right. And I can't help but wonder if Kate McKinnon had been in Kristen's Kristen Stewart's role because I feel like it was would've a killed. strong would have killed sketch. Yeah. Well, that, well, that, well, that's basically yeah. like this weird stuff she was saying, especially with Mr. Shinto, was like akin to the Kate McKinnon alien abduction character, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, it would have been great. So, so woulda, shoulda, coulda takes us to the uh, our <laughs> an, our annual installment, our third annual installment of Totino's Super Bowl commercial. Uh, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you're a nerd like us. As soon as we see the guys playing football and Vanessa Bayer in the background, you're suddenly hankering for Totino's pizza rolls. Um, and I love we saw this in JT Simmons two years ago as just a send up of the you know how these commercials sometimes make it seem like the dumb housewife who has no thought in her head other than feeding her hungry guys, which was wonderful. <laughs> last year, we brought it back. Uh, it was uh, uh, last year. Larry was, David. Thank you, Larry David, uh, where it then turns out to be an X-Files spoof, which was wonderful. And we're going to turn it again. Uh, and here is probably where I think Kristen Stewart probably did the best. I'm not surprised that it's a pre-tape because she's a film actress and she sort of got to play it. And also, she wasn't necessarily trying to be the crazy person in the sketch. She was playing a very specific role. All she had to do is just be that character. And uh, Vanessa Bayer, queen of the pre-tape, all hail Vanessa Bayer, the queen of the pre-tape, uh, I I thought this was really fun. Uh, Jen, you are my Totino. Right. <laughs> uh, I felt like this was a great use of Kristen Stewart. I feel like this was probably her strongest um, appearance on the show. And um, I really thought that it built well. It sort of, I don't remember the other two exactly, but I felt like this one just stood on its own and, and sort of built from something sort of fun and silly to then just going more and more outrageous and over the top with sort of, um, even just like the little details of, um, you know, the sketching, the water, you know, the, um, Totino porn with the, you know, gliding the Totino across her skin. <laughs> oh. And it just got so fun so and over great. the top. And I oh. just, I loved it. I yeah. love this sketch. And Jen, you're completely right. Those escalations were beautiful because they're trying to do, you know, how do you bring one of these crazy French artsy films into a Totino's right, commercial? Right. And to have it all drop tone from the minute Kristen Stewart walks in was so, so good. As you said, Vanessa Bayer absolutely killed it here. You know, from the top, she goes like, what's your name? And she's like, I've never had one. And just all the stereotypes. <laughs> so going, great. The, right. the so dancing. Great. Them speaking French to each other. It's it was just 
perfectly escalated. And then you have this killer, this killer shot while they're doing all of this, while they're making out on the counter of the guys just watching on the couch with them directly behind them doing all of this. And it was just one of those fantastic, like, cuts away to reality and then back into the fantasy that I thought really, really worked. You know, it's tough to and, really— And while it's—I just want to say, Will, you're there because one of, it's editing 101, but you're so right, Mike. How great is the moment of, like, we're in this French film, and every time they cut back to the guys, they stop the music. And it's such the perfect—they stop the romantic music for the guys to say, wait, 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 where's our Tortinos? And then cut back, and the music picks up again. And while it's so easy, it was so perfectly done. And I wonder now, you know, we've had three so far, as you mentioned, if I could power rank them. I know the Larry David one was so, so good. I would argue one of the best pre-taped sketches of season 41. But this one, maybe it's a, it's recency bias, but it just blew me away with Vanessa's performance in particular. So this might have to take the number one spot for me in terms of our Totino sketches over the years. Yeah, I think it builds. I, I think it, you're right. I think that they've built on it, which is really good. I think we all really, you know, we all loved it. I think they really found their Tortino. Uh, and and by the way, here's the power of how good this sketch was. Jen, can you please tell the podcast audience what you purchased this week and what I made that we ate during this week's Saturday Night Live? Tortinos. Tortinos pizza. I don't want to know anything else about what happened when you were eating those Tortinos. <laughs> yeah. But I actually have never had Tortinos, so I, it, you know. And yeah, I bought it works. So. Yeah, and it this works. week it'll be Cheetos. When they said, okay, we're going to bring in more companies to do like sponsored content through our sketches, this is ex- exactly what they wanted. It's so working. I think uh, is, you're yeah. doing the show a justice. We're all talking pizza rolls. So, so, uh, so we finish this out and we get to, uh, you know, it's now 12.02 a.m. Where is it going to go? Uh, and we get to uh, what to me, and I said this to Jen early on, the Sean Spicer press conference. I was like, this feels like the cold open to me. And, and as soon as we saw Melissa McCarthy, which, of course, I just ranted about at the top of our show, I, I obviously, and then obviously we'll talk about the Alec Baldwin episode, obviously felt like this was the plan for this week that they were going to do this as the cold open and then Alec Baldwin became available or something happened and they decided to have Alec Baldwin come in and this so they bumped this to the 1202 spot um, but I, I, I'll sort of just turn it over to you guys because I already told you I mean for me to say meh it was fine uh, is, you know I, uh, I this was eight minutes of absolute perfection for me I just I, I loved everything about this I don't think it's hyperbolic for me to call this the sketch of the season. Sorry, David yeah. S. Pumpkins. No question. This yep. is the sketch of the season. I mean, everything about it was so tight. And I mean that both in like the, uh, the modern connotation, but also the fact that like the writing and the performances, even though it was eight minutes, it flew by, in my opinion. Flew by, yep. But like the, the writing was so sharp. I just picked out so many lines, so many jokes within jokes, which actually became more prevalent when we see for the second time, where you're like, oh, they're just doing the same thing, and you kind of pay attention to what they were doing the first time. Melissa McCarthy, complete surprise, but I mean, she proves right here, as she does time and time again, why she could have been a a cast member of the show once upon a time. She nails the anger. She's one of the only people I know that could have really sold it and great work you know from the from the journalist as well love the random cutaway to you know kyle mooney as the cnn anchor in a diaper in a cage yelling we're not fake news nice little snipe attack with kate mckinnon as well as as a betsy devos she'll make another cameo as another cabinet member in the next time out but i thought this was a nice time for her to kind of like come in have a little 30 seconds and get out and you know rich you were saying that this could have served as a cold open i thought the same thing Cut to Melissa McCarthy at the end saying in live from New York at Saturday night and them saying we already did that. 
fun little meta moment that I feel like, again, as I said last time, they really don't do enough. So it it might be hyperbolic for me to call this sketch absolute perfection, but this is the high watermark for me for season 42. Uh, yeah, I mean, just everything about this. And she was so to play. There's moments where, you know, if you give this to a lesser person when she's saying it's not a ban, you said a ban. He's using your words that he used, which is circular use and you're to blame. You, you, you can't give that to an amateur. You have to give that to perfection. And then when when Vanessa Bayer says something and she just picks up the podium and attacks her with the freaking podium, it was like, where where is this coming from? It's so brilliant. And Mikey Day saying something and she starts shooting him with the super soaker saying it's soapy water. I'm washing that filthy lying mouth of yours. It was just so, so, so good. A really, really great episode. A really good, yeah, really would, good sketch. I would argue that this is uh, when we get any sort of like best of political sketches, this has now earned its place in there up with the like 2008 uh, Hillary Clinton, Sarah Palin dual press conference. That's going to be, I think, the pol- SNL political sketch of the 2010s. Absolutely. And and then we had a very nice performance by a Canadian YouTuber that I didn't know previously, Alessia Cara. And then the show kind of got into trouble. Um, weekend update. I, I, I did. We didn't get to see the New York feed, but the L.A. feed was not a lot better. Uh, this was a, th- we'll sort of wrap up the episode here because I think it sort of uh, talks about it sort of encapsulates it that uh, weekend update was just uh, was rough, was a rough one. Yeah, as you said, I watched the East Coast feed, and again, I might be hyperbolic here. This was, in my opinion, the worst update we've had in the Che Jost era. Obviously, the technical flubs are sort of at the forefront of the memory here. Uh, The one that made both cuts, apparently, was Colin Jost after the Big Poppy segment accidentally ending the segment early, which... You know, might you might say like, oh yeah, he just made a simple mistake. But imagine if like in one of these sketches, someone stepped out and said the last line, and then it cut away in the middle of the sketch. That's just taking things completely off the rails. But something that they actually cut, I'm surprised they didn't cut that. But they did cut Michael Che when I think he was telling the uh, the Trump Australia joke. He in the East Coast feed made an attempt, strike one, completely whiffed. Then tried to go for it again and made almost the exact same mistake word for word. And he ended up, he wanted to get it out. And as a result, when he did, nobody really laughed at it. Outside of those technical gaffes, I feel like the material itself really wasn't great. Rich, I know you are somehow a fan of Big Poppy. I'm using your own words there. Uh, this was actually even not even a great showing for him either. I Little Caesars was probably the only... A fake sponsor that I enjoyed. So yeah, this was rough. And I will say that I think the other ones afterwards are okay. I think update was probably the low point of the episode. But yeah, after the brilliance of the Spicer and the Totinos, that one-two punch, we sort of got knocked out here in a way. Yeah, I think I think really in hindsight, the mistake uh, that uh, Colin Jost made uh, was not accidentally starting to end it, but not then finishing it off and just getting out after Big Poppy. I think they would have saved all of us a lot of time. It was really uh, it, it, it was time to go. And you're right. I, I have always enjoyed Big Poppy, but the you know, this was Mad Libs. It was just filling in the latest comedy and it, it did wear a little thin. I, you're right. I think, uh, you know, him doing product plugs and then it just being 
asking which products have plugs uh, was not that hilarious. And there was in execution, there was really nothing funny about it. So I liked Little Caesars, but then uh, uh, the the manatee and stuff, I was I found myself wanting. So um, which I think I can say generally about the rest of this episode, it sort of left me wanting. But, you know, but as you as you said, Mike, I think, you know, you know, let, let's put it in the books as as overall a pretty good episode with some really good stuff. Uh, and and by the way, one of the highest rated uh, SNLs since uh, I think the 90s, I, I think it uh, we were reading online that it uh, came in number two this week behind the Big Bang Theory, which was insane. Uh, and I suspect that the Baldwin numbers will be even better or at least as good. So clearly Saturday Night Live getting a lot of audience around the political coverage, which we're super excited about. Um, so now we come to the last night. It's time for Alec Baldwin. Uh, Jen and I did watch this uh, on the New York feed, so we got to sort of be with everybody live. Um, clearly high expectations. Uh, you know, very excited to see what everyone's going to do. And I, I will say, uh, you know, I, I, this was probably another another week of some very funny stuff. Uh, but this one had some real misses. I think feel like they really they took a lot of swings on this one, where sometimes they really delivered and sometimes they really did not uh which was which was interesting to see so but we're going to start off with a big surprise uh we're going to go back to spicer we're really going to do spicy as the cold open as it was meant to be um and it was an interesting one for me because again you know uh this was to me lost so much of the sort of freshness of last week's and lost a lot of the novelty because it was so as i say mad libs the the actual form Format and the structure of it was exactly the same as the week before, except this time we had, uh, you know, we had new jokes in it. Um, but that said, a mediocre Sean Spicer is still a standout piece of comedy. And uh, and I can understand why they decided to go to this because there was so much to do. So um, watching it a second time, though, once I knew like, OK, well, we're, we know we're going to get the props. We know we're going to get, you know, uh, something with the podium. We know we're going to get this. A lot of funny in here. A lot of funny in this one. Yeah, I just have to wonder why do it so soon again. Uh, we've had this before. I believe, like, didn't Jebediah Atkinson, after he killed it the first time, I think they brought him back, like, the week after as well. And you experience it there. It's just diminishing returns. And you brought up the Mad Libs aspect. It was almost to a T. Like you said, like, okay, instead of chewing a bunch of gum, she's going to chew one big stick of gum. And, you know, instead of uh, using props she's to, you know, literally do things phonetically, she's going to use dolls. I don't think right. it was a completely disentertaining sketch. I was not no. hating it. But I, I was sort of just like... I, I don't know why you feel like you need to do this. After you struck gold last time, you can't go back to that same spot the next week and expect the same amount of gold. Uh, that being said, the two highlights for me were uh, the Ivanka Trump, you know, QVC stuff in the lower third. I thought that was fun since that was very current. And Kate McKinnon, once again, with that snipe in as Jeff Sessions. I don't know what cabinet members Kate McKinnon is going to play, if not all of them, but uh, she has been, the I, for me, the MVP. M maybe Vanessa might be the MVP of the Stewart episode, but McKinnon was definitely the MVP of this episode. 
Yeah, I and I think, yeah, you're right about a lot of the Mad Libs, even to the point where I like that she has a new thing of gum, but even when she takes the gum out of her mouth, the first time she clearly ad-libbed, I'll get back to you later, and this time she felt the need to say it again, I'll get back to you later, so you could really tell that they were sort of hitting these hitting these again and again. But within you said, I, the fact that you know we got to see Sean Spicer having to read the list of foreign uh, dignitaries, I thought that was very funny. Uh, I love that they call out the people's court we're going to see sort of the meta comedy of it coming up later but i like the the the, the vetting court uh, the people's court was really funny um and one dumb thing that didn't get a big laugh in the room but i just like the list of other terrorist incidences the horror at six right. flags the mm-hmm. slaughter at fraggle rock the night they drove old dixie down uh, <laughs> i thought there there was just there was a lot of funny stuff there yeah, now we all know who Glenn Thrush is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Who knew? Who knew, who, knew? That, who that guy was? Yeah, that that's really a guy. He's so Glenn. Yeah, uh, exactly. And, and and by the way, uh, you know, MVP taking away Melissa McCarthy as a movie star, MVP of this of this sketch and maybe this episode is the freaking props department. I mean, yeah. you had this huge stick of gum, you had all the props, you had the leaf blower, and then you had the motorized podium. I thought the props department must have read this sketch and must have been laughing their head off and thinking, so we're doing this in three weeks? When are we when are we actually doing this? Uh really, really funny stuff. Yeah. So Yeah, and I think also so what I really like about just in general um, McCarthy's impression here is that it's not funny because it's a woman playing a man because that sort of doesn't matter. It's just she's amazing. And I think a lot of times when we have sort of those gender bender impressions, it's about the fact that it's a man doing a woman or vice versa. And I think it's sort of nice that it didn't matter. This isn't Will Ferrell playing Janet Reno, which I feel like was a lot of comedy behind that was like, here's a big man playing a tall woman. Here, McCarthy definitely made it her own where gender is not really determined. I mean, there was a you know, there was a big cheer that went out the very first time she went out for that Spicer sketch because, like, once she started talking, I think people realized, like, oh, crap, that really is Melissa McCarthy. So I completely agree. I feel like the comedy does not come from the drag performance. Instead, it just comes from, no matter what the gender is, they're putting in such a powerhouse of a performance. Yeah. And kudos to also to the makeup people because, I mean, she really looks like him. And the voice, the hair, the makeup, the whole look. And to too. see her at the end on the on standing on at home base for the good nights was like, oh, that's right. She doesn't really look that much like him. Like <laughs> she's yeah, it was really great. I, I agree. I remember in the in the when we saw this in the Kristen Stewart episode, you can hear there's an interesting applause. She comes out and she starts talking as Spicer and she gets about a full halfway through the first sentence before the audience explodes in laughter because nobody knew who it was. It took right. everyone and I a love minute. That moment. I love that moment where you don't know. And then we kind of all get it together, which is great. Yeah. As opposed to, I know that, you know, without getting into the politics of it, that apparently there was issues, Trump, whatever, about a woman playing a man. I did feel like the fact that they had Kate McKinnon play Jeff Sessions felt a little bit like, look at us, Trump. We're having a guy being played by a woman, which I don't think you needed. I don't think that she added anything here. I think we could have we could have skipped this completely or given this to Alex Moffat or given it to or Kyle or somebody. I, I don't think it needed to be her so 
All right, but overall, I think we're all in agreement. Maybe we wouldn't have done it this week, but if you didn't want to do Donald Trump in the cold open, you needed something to kick it off. It kicked off well, and now we do see Alec Baldwin in the monologue. Um, I don't think there's a lot to say here, but but I definitely liked this a lot, and I liked you know he he comes out to talk about how long he's been hosting, and uh, and uh, Pete Davidson comes out to join him, and uh, I I thought some uh, generally funny stuff, not hilarious, but. I have to say, who knows what happened behind the scenes, but I just like that Alec Baldwin was clearly open to making fun yeah, of himself. Yeah, that's true. Yes, I, yeah, I, I, think, I think if people know Alec Baldwin's reputation outside of SNL, we know that he might have a temper on him. And so I, I do think that, you know, maybe if it wasn't on SNL, if other people were making fun of, you know, how he might have lost his looks, he might have a different temperament about it. But I'm, I agree. I was glad he was able to embrace those aspects of himself. Yeah. And because you, you're not just doing general jokes like you're an old man, grandpa. I wasn't even born They're Really, when he's <laughs> when, when Pete's like, like, look, you look like someone soaked you in water and <laughs> saying things right, like right. how old how old is it when your whole head starts to expand? Like very specific jokes about his looks and he was clearly a good sport about it which was fun uh although i did think that he got one of the funniest lines off on pete davidson when he described him as looking like steve buscemi's lesbian sister right, i thought right, that right, was right. great that was i, I do kind of yeah. wish that they had i mean i'm assuming that they brought pete out there because i mean you know he was not they even bring it up in the in the uh the, the monologue proper he was not alive for like the first time that baldwin hosted so i thought they were almost going to go with this sort of spin of like here's a guy describing to Pete Davidson like what the shows were like when he was growing up because Pete doesn't really know but then they kind of went down this more disparaging looks angle which was fine you know again it's not questions from the audience it's not a singing monologue it's something that's more atypical Uh, I do have to give a plus to this monologue though for pointing out the weird weird prediction of SNL when Jimmy Fallon was on as like a featured player and predicted correctly that he'd be hosting in 2011 that is super strange Although they made that reference when Jimmy Fallon did host. And did you guys, when they were doing that moment, did you think, oh, Fallon's going to show up. We're going to have a Fallon cameo because I I thought Fallon was going to walk on and he didn't. But maybe I'm too much of an SNL nerd that I'm like, oh, this is a tee up. I think that was it. (laughs) Did you just call me a nerd? Is that what just happened? Yes, I did. I'm sorry, right, but yeah. Fine. No Totinos for you, Rich. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, let's move on to our first pre-tape. It's Black History Month, so Russell Stovers is not only doing Valentine's Day candy, they're also celebrating with their Black History-themed uh, chocolate box. Um, and, I, you know, I like this. I don't know that I love this, but I, I've said this before. I think in pre-tapes, one of the things that SNL does very well is white people are stupid. And when white people try to be culturally uh, sensitive, they end end up just making things worse. And so I thought this was sort of a fun pre-tape piece. I thought it was blessedly short because mm-hmm. I think by the time we kind of hit the like, okay, we get it now, we were out. Um, but overall, I like this. I thought this was it, not something that we're going to go back and watch again. But in general, I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny. Kudos to the props department because – I mean, I for me, the best part of the sketch by far was when he actually opened the box and those chocolate faces came out, which were right. frightening. And I think they did a great job there. But I feel like they kind of hit that and it didn't really spike after that in terms of like comic energy. They did They went back to the well a couple times. I do agree that it was nice that it was shorter. I do feel like there could be a universe where this goes on for another minute. But it, the sketch definitely peaked for me when they actually showed the faces. And otherwise, it was fine. Yeah, there were a couple funny lines about the flavors 
the Martin Luther King, I have a cream. I have a cream. I thought, that was very <laughs> I thought that was really yes. funny. And then like, they have Bill Clinton in here. <laughs> well, I don't know why that didn't get a bigger silly. laugh. I thought funny. that was a great little throwaway. It was white chocolate. I thought that was such a cute yeah, thing. I love that. Yeah. Cute ones. Yeah, and I liked when uh, when uh, when Alex Moffat is eating the one. He goes, "Oh, it's peanut butter." I wonder if it's and Shashir is just like George Washington Carver. <laughs> I thought that was a very funny moment. So yeah, I thought uh, you know I thought a lot a lot of fun stuff. And then we get out. You know, Russell Stouffer's. Are we doing this right? I thought I thought that was good. Uh, and you know, and again, we're not going to watch this a second time, but definitely had me smiling. And then from there, hard cut to the pitch <laughs> meeting. Nice. It's nice time segue, for Cheetos. Rich. Uh, we're going to get pitched, uh, che- you know, Cheetos ads in this, uh, I think, Jen, you said sort of post-Super Bowl, uh, everyone has to have a message kind of thing where uh, the team of Murphy and Kennedy are going to really uh, – are taking Cheetos into a politically correct world while the team of A.K. <laughs> right, Foster right. doesn't quite know what's going on. Uh, you know, and, and I think and Jen and I talked about this as we were watching it, that I loved the idea of it. I think we both really liked the idea. Um I don't know that this was necessarily hilarious. I think that you had kind of a little bit of a lull in the middle. The premise of it was very funny. The setup was very funny. Uh, sort of the Mexican girl climbing over the wall with a rope made of American flags, hard cut to Cheetos. <laughs> and, you know, and then the other, like, and then the other, you know, silly, you know, kids that doesn't really play. We did sort of have, for me, sort of a lull in the sketch of like, okay, we're now just sort of, we're heightening, but it's not really that inspired. Uh, and I kind of was ready to write the sketch off uh then when the when when the team of ak fosters talks about chester the cheetah and then they come back with uh you know with uh with uh chester uh has gotten surgery and chester now identifies as danielle the cheetah that right. that, that I really that. i felt i thought like saved really it funny. i felt they found the way to heighten in a way that sort of got our attention and was really fun yeah and it felt like a little bit of a job sort of at the liberals to sort of an opportunity to um, kind of make fun of maybe the liberals taking everything so seriously and trying to make things political, which I thought sort of was a nice balance to kind of a political show. You know what I mean? With a lot of political humor. No, definitely. This was definitely, I think, one of those times where I think it's been talked of, especially as of late, of you know really questioning whether SNL is really a bipartisan show, and especially you know they're definitely taking shots at the Trump administration. But here's a time that they could really say, like, hey, these companies definitely use the opportunity to make political statements at the Super Bowl. Let's you know live in a world where everyone tries to do that. My one major foible with this, it's a, definitely a nitpick. I feel like the sketch would have worked out much better if the order of the teams presenting switched. Because when I feel like when you start off with the weird thing and then go to the non-weird thing, that just my comedy mm, brain just yeah. sort of like seizes up in that moment. That's a good you know? point. Yeah, like yeah, I think it, it could have been yeah. a, it could have been a better reveal to have you know the the normal team be like kids in the car with Cheetos, and then you know Cecily and who was it Mikey would be like, yeah, that's okay, that's all right. You know, let's move to the next group, and then you bring out the microphones and you do that. I feel like that's a good way to go back and forth because then you're sort of setting up the world. And then you present the weird thing instead of saying like, okay, here's the weird thing, but also here's how they would normally react. Things just felt a little out of order to me. Yeah, I think that you're right. I think it's fair. And and by the way, a little sort of addendum, the asterisk to what you're saying. And as much as I, I thought overall this was a good sketch, boy, they did not kill themselves on writing the quote-unquote normal sketches that, that Mooney and, and Melissa Villasenor were doing. It was just like... 
Hey, a bunch of kids sitting around. You want Cheetos? Cheetos. I'm like, boy, you guys didn't even do a second rewrite on those, did you? You really just rushed those in. Uh, But I also wonder, I'm going to guess that this was not sort of product placement. Even though we saw the Cheetos logo, we saw actual bags of Cheetos around. They did not, most of the time when we've seen like the Burger King, what I'll call commercial and other things, uh, where they, you know, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, where they intentionally do not ever make the product look bad. This was really like, oh, you know that oh that that was a good thing and that's not a cheetos that's more of a twix like they they really did make the cheetos uh, executives look like a bunch of uh, ding dongs so I, I i appreciate that whether that was uh, whether that was meant for or not so uh, so let's go to another uh, another pre-tape, and uh, and I will admit, because uh, I can't lie now that my wife is on the podcast with me, because I can't pretend to look smart when I'm stupid, that I really have almost no uh, sense of who Jake Tapper is. I know of Jake Tapper. I know the Beck Bennett impression of Jake Tapper more than I know Jake Tapper. <laughs> but that said, what a wonderful kind of creepy uh really uh i thought uh, uh cutting take that probably the most direct shot at kellyanne conway the glove is probably being the most off of of any uh attack on 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 her as we decide to do a fatal attraction parody where this is what happens when you don't put kellyanne conway on tv uh really interesting and, and i really liked that they kind of went pretty dark here yeah, I, I think there's one thing that you can sort of compliment, no matter what the SNL pre-tapes are of the past few years, is that they really go great with tone. No matter what the humor of the sketch may be, I mean, let's talk about like the movie parodies that have existed over the past couple of years. They really do a great job of exuding the tone that comes with those genre of films. And yeah, this might not be like laugh out loud hilarious, but it was disturbingly creepy. We talked about this with the January show, but I'm I'm glad that we're going in this way with Kellyanne Conway as well. We're not necessarily portraying her as sort of like again political leanings aside as sort of just like the person who says oh yes you know i helped get trump elected this sucks uh instead now she sort of has her own character which makes things a lot more fun i'll admit i'm sort of in the same camp as you rich especially when they were listing off like the political shows that she could be on i don't watch (laughs) those shows so i i would have found it funnier if i had known what any of those shows were you talk dark let's talk graphic that image of her landing on the pavement i know they had to eventually show her contorting all those limbs but those of you that might listen to the other podcasts i do know i do not do well with body horror or anything like that that genuinely made me feel unwell yeah, that was that was dark. <laughs> I'll say that. I wasn't sure where they were going with it. And then I thought, oh, you know what? It's a great ending. I think a lot of times um, with some of the sketches, they sort of at the end, it fizzles out or they sort of just blow something up, you know, if they need an out. And I feel like this one actually had a really kind of clever, interesting, creepy ending where she's sort of like, I have three lives left. See in the news. <laughs> I mean, it was like, wow, I, I love this. And I do watch a lot of um, these kind of shows. So there was a whole other level I probably got, but I feel like it still was really great, whether you've seen those shows or not. Um, And I think it's interesting how Kellyanne's character has evolved. And I think we had talked about this last week as well when we talked about um, Chicago. And I think it sort of started off with sort of when she was a campaign manager. It's like Kellyanne's day off. It's walking on sunshine and then it's sort of exasperated aid then it goes to sort of i think sort of like the chicago where she's kind of really enjoying all this power and now it's just completely gone completely over the top (laughs) fatal attraction and i just i loved it 
I love sort of signal. I don't know where they're going to take this, but I loved it. Yeah, there's that point when they're talking about her having done the uh, the commercial for uh, for uh, Ivanka's you know line, and she's just like, it's just a little ethics violations. Think of the clicks. <laughs> like they really were like, oh, they're they're. I was like, oh, they're making her a monster. Like they really are. They're they're not pulling any punches. And then at the end, they literally make her a monster. Uh, I I, I kind of like this, and I and I also think when they go after someone this mean, it works better in a pre-tape than it does in a live. Thing. Thing where they can kind of they can modulate and they can really come right up to the line and then pull it back live tv it's harder right? but, uh, i but i thought this was wonderful and by the way i don't i can't even remember if i've ever seen fatal attraction if i did it was how many years ago uh the movie was 87 kate and beck bennett were three years old when this movie came out so uh clearly iconic but uh talk about a call a, a callback we're going way way back Way, way to make them pull a Pete Davidson, Rich. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so after this, we we come back to a live sketch where SNL is finally saying, "Okay, now it's time to put sort of." politics aside put cultural events aside put sort of political issues aside and let's just do one sketch that's just silly fun that has nothing to do with anything about a drill sergeant and his uh son being in the in the in in the training camp uh where we're just going to sort of relax and have fun um so this is what i want to say about the drill sergeant sketch our musical guest was Ed Sheeran. It was great to see Ed back. I'm an Ed Sheeran fan. Uh, I, I loved his last album, uh, and, and I was very excited to see Ed Sheeran. I had heard uh, these songs. They, they had been uh, dropped. Uh, I hate using the word dropped, but they had, uh, But his new songs, uh, his new album, Divide, is coming out. Shape of You and Castle on the Hill were his two songs, and I thought they were fine. But I got to say, uh, as much as I love Ed Sheeran, I didn't love Ed Sheeran. I liked Ed Sheeran. It was totally happen but uh i literally think i got up to make totino's pizza rolls in the in the toaster <laughs> oven during shape of you i was like eh, okay uh and i don't know why because i always really like ed sheeran but uh i i but i don't know it didn't uh, it didn't wow me although i'm still looking forward to his album coming up i like ed sheeran too and i'm probably less familiar than with his music than you are i enjoyed it for what it was i think even when you're on that stage as a performer on snl it's always testy in terms of sound quality if you're going to be able to produce anything i think from a vocal quality he was able to produce some pretty good music and speaking towards alicia cara from the week before i do know one of her star her songs uh scars or you're beautiful i think is what it, it shows up on the radio all the time so i didn't know she was associated with that song i think they both did a good job in terms of live performance Ed Sheeran will always get me with his unkempt Weasley hair and his like little black sweaters. <laughs> I do want to talk for a second about Drill Sergeant Dad, just a second, because this was a very basic sketch. Uh, to be very comedy nerd about it, it was a basic mapping game, where it was essentially saying, like, let's take all the things that are associated with parents and map them onto a Drill Sergeant and his army. There really wasn't anything that popped to me. Uh, bringing out 80 at the end. It was interesting that she was just, like, the mother. I thought they were going to go for something where, like, she was, like, the other commanding officer or she was another member of the army uh, to sort of put a nice button on it. But, yeah, I I think you were fine skipping over it. I just wanted to quickly address it before we moved on. 
All right, so let, let's get to update. Uh, the bar is obviously very low coming out of last week's weekend update, uh, and in general, for the most part, I thought we had a nice uh, we had we had a nice bounce back. I thought uh, a lot of the uh, not all of the jokes were great, but I thought a lot of the jokes were funnier than they had been uh, the week before, and uh, and at least one of the three correspondents who show up to talk, I thought was was really funny. Um, so I thought. Uh, uh, you know, in general, uh, uh, for weekend update, uh, I thought this was sort of on the above average mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah. episode. Uh, they 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 did a nice job. Yeah, uh, I mean, speaking towards the general camaraderie between the two, obviously, as you said, it was a very low bar to clear, but they did it. I do wonder what the feedback is going to be towards Michael Che's rant of the week, uh, where he essentially capitalized on it by saying, "I kind of feel bad for Donald Trump." I can totally imagine somebody taking that headline and running in with with it in a completely opposite direction. So mm-hmm. we'll see over the course of the week how that gets responded to. In terms of the three correspondents, Elizabeth Warren, played by Kate McKinnon, uh, it was it was nice. I think, you know, if we're prospectively thinking about Elizabeth Warren getting involved in politics at a larger level for the next however many years, I feel like we have legs here. She sort of has the same legs as the Clinton impression where it's like, constantly in work mode constant questioning i like the idea of turning it into a hearing session even people that did not you know really watch the hearing sessions i think there was still some stuff in there that made it really funny a guy who just bought a boat i think you've said this rich you know you'd much rather have them try a new character than trot out the same person over and over again this was the former i thought it was fine you know i think he always kept it lively i like the abbreviation things and then him sort of pulling a kevin nealon you know mr subliminal thing of constantly talking about how he's sort of uh, overcompensating for maybe what he's lacking downstairs was interesting enough Um, the highlight for me was probably greg and shelly duncan just because there's just something about the fun disparity of mikey day and leslie jones and when they describe it of like hey people are trying new things in the bedroom and then they wheel out and you just see mikey day with a black eye and an arm and a cast. Yeah. I feel like that's the joke itself. Uh, and the, the, the actual update correspondence piece itself was fine. Uh, the toilet dog stuff was probably what got the most laughs out of me. But I'm happy to at least see Leslie Jones play someone besides Leslie Jones on update for once. Yeah, I was going to say that too. It was sort of a fun switch, sort of against type with her playing sort of shy and reserved. And um, I just thought that was a funny take on the new movie, the Fifty Shades movie, and some funny lines. I love uh, when they talk about, you know, waterboarding with his own urine. <laughs> I just thought that there were just some silly lines and it was, it was fun. Well, I am going to strongly disagree with the quorum here. I thought that these two, I, I thought that if they're going to do BSDM and S&M, their safe word should be a boy because this was this was rough for me. I thought I got the joke before the first word was uttered. I saw the black eye, the bloody lip and the and the and the cast and I went, got it. OK. And then it just played itself out. I felt like if you had given me a pad and paper and I'm not a comedy writer based on this premise I could have written this sketch in real time I feel like <laughs> Jen and I could have ad-libbed this sketch and it would have been just as funny if we improved it uh, there was no sense of but why are these two together there was no comedic sort of tie to like what is this world it's just here's these two people they had they had crazy sex she seemed to like it he clearly hated it and got very hurt by it okay fine but why what 
what's the comedy here other than yeah she beat the hell out of him so which i got from the if it, if it was a reveal if we didn't see him in bandages maybe it would have been interesting but for me i was just as much as i love leslie jones i love mikey day and i like them together i think they've got a very interesting chemistry that's more than just i want a piece of you you white pig chocolate colin yeah get it move on marcusa skip it uh but i so i like these two together but i i just was like yeah i i'm writing funnier jokes in my head as this is happening and i'm not a comedy writer so i'd love to see them do more with this couple but we i need to know what the world is i need to know why they're together i need to i love the idea that leslie jones is this meek uh you know sort of very meek woman who then in very select moments goes way over the top but we need to see that why i didn't see that so um so I, I will respectfully agree to disagree. But as I always say with comedy, I didn't like it. But I love that you guys like that. I don't need to be right. I'm glad that two thirds of the panel enjoyed those. Uh, what to me were 17 minutes. Uh, you know, that, <laughs> as long as you guys liked it, great. Liked it. Um, so uh, so great. So that's weekend update. Uh, fun to see. And uh, and then we move to. Oh my God, I love that Trump's People's Court is oh so. Oh my God! So just Hilarious. and just to say, first the meta piece, how brilliant! And I don't know if this is coincidence, if this was totally planned, if this was retrofitted after the fact that. Sean Spicer in the cold open talks about how Trump's going to take them to the people's court. And then post update, we see the sketch of Trump taking the federal judges to people's court. I was just, I, I, I don't think this was the strongest overall sketch, but I give this very high marks for just premise. A lot of funny little lines. Everyone in it was good. A little bit of awkwardness. They talked over each other at one point, which created a little confusion. But, uh, but I just, I, I, I loved everything about this. I do wonder, though. I actually, I actually had the op- opposite reaction where I, when I saw this after the Spicer comment, because I almost feel like this Spicer comment, the foreshadowing sort of blew the surprise for me. I might have oh, enjoyed really? the sketch more if it was just, "Hey, here's oh, the people's court." Um, I, I maybe huh. just because Sean Spicer sort of like uh, incepted the idea into my head that now it was something that I couldn't shake, where it almost came across as like predictable to me it was cool seeing trump outside of the of the oval office i think you know it was fun bringing things like his really weird handshakes and as, as i said before steve bannon and the trump kids uh, on the plaintiff side was good i don't know how the west coast feed came out you guys were obviously watching with the east coast feed rife with production difficulties here uh between like the text getting cut off there were several times when like the camera wasn't on the right angle where they'd cut away from people while they were still talking even in, in spite of that, I still enjoyed it on paper, and I thought, you know, Cecily did a really nice job as the judge as well. I love this one. This was definitely one of my favorite ones. It didn't bother me that they had mentioned it to me. It sort of gave when then it happened. It was sort of a fun callback to the beginning, and just hearing the music and the whole thing. I just I loved it from start to finish. And I do like how they're trying to build out sort of Trump's world because we see him in press conferences, we see him in the Oval Office. And I think if this character is going to have sort of legs, it's going to have to, they're going to have to do more of this. Um, and I just loved little details. Yeah, like Steve Bannon as a Grim Reaper in the audience or in the gallery and the Trump kids and 
of course, Big Bennett, as Putin, I always love. And just Trump, even with that small gavel, you know, oh, was saying wrong, wrong. rule was just yeah, amazing. Yeah. So, I'll allow yeah. it. It's just so. Yeah, and I'll that's allow what's, it. Yeah. I love it. When, when you take that crazy of a character and say, OK, now let's put him, as you said, Jen, in a new setting. You get to see all these great moments when it's like, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth? <laughs> I'm good. Like just such <laughs> right, a brilliant right, right, moment. Yeah. It's such a fun moment. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're right. The the dumb when when Putin shows up, those dumb handshakes that they're doing <laughs> yes. with 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 everyone. It was just very funny. Uh, I thought. And then when when it looks like he's when he's about to lose and he wants to settle out of <laughs> court i thought that was great i didn't know if again this is shocking to say i'm not up on people's court i didn't know if cecily strong was playing a doing a parody of a specific judge from the people's court or if she was just doing a judge so i was a little lost with what she was doing but i loved sort of as the sketch sort of naturally started to lose steam i love her little rant that about to trump at the end you're doing too much and when the end, she says, I want one day without a CNN alert that scares the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, and it was yeah. so, so great. Good. And then just and, and by the way, anytime you can get a big laugh from a graphic, when we see up next up is going to be the defendant is Donald Trump and the uh, and the plaintiff is uh, is a sales clerk at Nordstrom's was such yeah. a nice out, such a nice <laughs> out. So it uh, could have been a cold open, I thought, if you needed to. Mm-hmm, but I, yeah. I, I, I liked the, the sort of the carry through. I thought it was really fun that they did it. So um, for me, I would say probably the last of the great sketches, but still more fun to come. Uh, we do a really interesting left turn to talk to to see Beyonce's babies. We've got Shasir Zameda as a very pregnant Beyonce uh, and Alec Baldwin as the doctor. Uh, and when we look inside uh, via the, um, the, you know, the um, uh, boy, you can tell I don't have kids. Uh, uh, the you know the ultrasound, uh, the, yeah, whatever that is. We see uh, we see not only Keenan but uh, our old friend Tracy Morgan back, who we have not seen since he hosted, I think, a year and a half ago, inside uh, to to be the two babies. Um, and I, you know, I gotta say this was I, I like the idea of all of this, um, but I it didn't do much for me. I, I kept waiting. I giggled and I smiled at a lot of it, but there wasn't much that really made me laugh out loud which was a shame it is tough to make beyonce funny this is sort of like the theory that i have come up with after watching like i would argue the bajancy from the andrew garfield episode might be the funniest beyonce related humor that i have seen it's just oh tough to- i'm so i'm gonna i'm gonna see and here's what i love that you said that and i'm gonna disagree with you because i'm old uh, it was not hard to make fun of beyonce for years maya rudolph crushed it as Beyonce and she was I don't even know if it was accurate or not it was brutally funny and I think here what you're seeing is I I hate to speak ill of the cast but Shazir Zameda felt more like I don't want this to sound wrong. She just seemed like a person subbing in as insert Beyonce here that since we lost Maya Rudolph, we don't have someone who can play Beyonce. And so you're right. You've got the Bajancy. You've got the day that Beyonce turned black where we're referring to (laughs) Beyonce, but we don't have the cast member that can do it. And I got to say, and I feel bad to say this, but if SNL is a sports team, you can't keep every ball player to the end of time 
I watched this sketch and I thought, you know what? I love Sashir as a person and as a comic, but this really made me say, I don't know about season 43. I don't know. You I say that you say that every I, season though. So maybe you're worried. But am I wrong? Has she no. done a sketch where and I and again, I I'm a fan of the show, so I feel bad that I'm uh, that I'm sort of begging on someone. I just and I'll say this, I don't think that Shasir is in any way untalented. I just don't think we have found the place for her to be talented and show the talent that we know she has. And this definitely did not do it because you could have cut her and Alec Baldwin completely out of this sketch and it would not have made any difference. You could have had a, 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 a still shot of Beyonce. Mm-hmm. That's a good the, point. The, the comedy yeah. was just the two of them and Tracy Morgan. And by the way, you bring Tracy Morgan back on an Alec Baldwin episode. I want to see Tracy Morgan interact with Alec Baldwin. Right. I watched like That's a good point. 18 seasons of 30 Rock, them being hilarious together. Come on, Jack Donaghy. <laughs> like, I want a little of that energy. So, so I, I think this really, for me, showed the weakness of the, of the, of, of the sketch and the, and the show at times more than the strengths. But I'm sorry, Mike, I cut you off. I, no, what it's else fine. Do you think? I, I, it, yeah. I mean, what I will say is that speaking just towards the Maya Rudolph thing, I mean, you probably found that stuff a lot funnier than I do. I just think there's something that's, I wouldn't say Beyonce is unfunny, but this, I mean, she does things that sort of like, you know, the problem that they had with Obama was that like, they weren't necessarily doing things that were ripe for mocking. I, if I remember correctly, like the big thing that they mocked with Beyonce was like her production values. Like every time she was on, there would be wind blowing. And that to me does not make for like a stellar impression or a stellar character in general, if you're relying on production elements. But despite that, uh, I thought the the actual talk between the twins themselves was fun. Uh, you know, there were some yeah. funny funny lines. You know, like people scream when they see our mom, so she's either a beautiful queen or a goblin. Uh, I like you know this idea of like if these babies don't exactly know who Beyonce is, how do they inter- how do they react to everyone else reacting to Beyonce? I thought there were legs somewhere. I did think it went on for too long. Part of it might be because, as you pointed out, they kept cutting back and forth between the OBGYN's office and you know, the babies in the womb. Maybe if they kept it with just the two of them in the womb, it would have made for a tighter sketch overall. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, more fun than funny. Great to see Tracy Morgan back. We love him. He still brings the funny. Him and Keenan are always funny together. Uh, Let's move to our last pre-tape, which... I I gotta say, I cannot tell you why I like the sketch so much because on paper, there's very little to like about this, about this piece. Leslie, uh, Leslie Jones decides that she wants to play Donald Trump, which is the dumbest idea ever. <laughs> and there's nothing in the execution that is, that is ultimately quite surprising. And yet everything about this made me laugh. I just I just thought this was such a sweet and dumb and fun piece that I love this side of Leslie Jones. I love the callback to this fictitious relationship between her and Kyle Mooney. I loved Lauren just being like, not going to happen, Leslie. Uh, and then the fight, and, and, and I won't get into all the specifics of it because we'll, we can talk about it together as a group. But um, I don't know. I, but I'm interested because in, I, I feel like this should not have worked. It should have been like a what and instead i just uh i really like this a lot i thought this was really fun i felt like it, it i kind of disagree with you to a certain degree with on paper i think it sounds like a great idea okay. actually yeah no i think it's it seemed like a really funny idea and i thought yeah as you said it was just kind of kind of in some ways weird cute and sort of charming and had just a lot about it that was sort of fun i sort of liked 
um sort of specific moments. I love the evil sort of Vanessa Bayer bit. <laughs> yes. So great. Moment because we don't really see her in a lot of roles like that. She's always playing so sort of the nice you know the nice mom or the nice friend or whatever so that was fun and just little details like when she flips out in lauren's office and they continue that sort of somber sort of piano music in the background and it was just really really funny what did you guys think of the ending yeah, the Milani ending might actually might be my least favorite part of this sketch. I mean, yes. Rich, I know you just asked about, like, why did I like this sketch? I think it's because of dedication. Uh, we've had several types of these, like, behind-the-scenes, almost mockumentary type of sketches. You mentioned the Leslie and Kyler dating sketch. Last year, we had the Kyle, you know, gets in a rap battle with Kanye West type of thing, where it's not exactly, it's a pre-tape, but it's sort of like showing the backstage of SNL more than anything. And I think what they nail in all of these types of shorts is sort of just the the emotional beats. Like, Leslie Jones, and I remember this from the her, the her and Kyle sketch as well, is like, she does actually a really nice job of, like, playing very earnest and very mm-hmm. dramatic. Yeah. Which I think mm-hmm. really hit those beats very well and contrasts fantastically with her yelling in Lauren's office, actually saying, people keep casting me as someone who always yells as she's screaming in his face, which I thought was absolutely hilarious. And there is something funny about like the image of her walking around in the Trump eyebrows and the Trump wig as well, even to the end of the sketch. Maybe for me, as much dedication as it really had to this reality, maybe the Melania ending made them step outside of that, and that's why I didn't necessarily like it. But, I mean, it was fun for the absurdity of it being absurd. Mm-hmm, and that right. her, Melania somehow thinking that a, a tall African-American woman with a blonde wig is her husband. Right. I'd almost prefer sometimes the sort of weird ending than a typical ending, or just a random one. So I sort of liked that this was just kind of weird. Mm. Yeah, I I would say the same thing. I I felt like it was also weird for me because we've clearly established in the world of SNL, Melania Trump is played by Cecily Strong. So why wasn't why didn't the window roll down and we see Cecily Strong as Melania? Mm. I mean, and I know we're trying to do behind the scenes, so maybe they're trying to do a different moment. But it was I think it was Cecily's voice. uh, But it definitely felt a little weird to me. I thought it was such a such an odd one for me. So, uh, yeah. uh, And I will also say I. I mean, yes, and I uh, to me, there's nothing better than the fight that she's having with Lorne Michaels. And I like the little Easter egg they put in to make themselves laugh and also true nerds of SNL who watch all the documentaries and read all the books when she yells, I'm so tired of this effing popcorn, and she throws the popcorn. Because <laughs> right. anyone who's read right. any of the biographies knows about him and his popcorn <laughs> in his office. And I thought that was such a great, that's just for us, that one. That was very funny. So, yeah, so it was very, I think we all agree probably a weak ending they didn't quite know how to end it and it's hard these things are hard to end um but you know but speaking of hard to end let's wrap up the show with the gym class sketch um so the good nights were really great Uh two words (laughs) oh oh boy oh but like Really? I don't want to say that I'm better than farts, but 
I think I can go on record and say I'm better than farts. <laughs> I don't. I Rich, you're better than farts. Yes. Aww. Yeah, don't, 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 don't. It's Valentine's so Day, and I just yes. wanted to. That'd be so nice. Yeah. Thank you. There, there's there's an improv uh, warm up thing of of doing uh, farts in a sketch, and it's my and it's to me the least funny improv warm up ever because farts. I don't know. I just think to you have to be so clever to make it funny, and I I don't know what this was. This was just stop this. Please don't do this anymore. Uh, so whatever. You know what? It's Alec Baldwin. He's hosted 17 times. If he wants to end on a fart sketch, I'll give him the credit. But uh, uh, yeah, but, two pluses, yeah. two pluses for this sketch. And they're very, very small pluses. Uh, one, it was short, which I was happy that, you know, after Mikey Day did the sit ups, that was basically it. Uh, that they didn't drag it out for longer. And two, I did think Baldwin's commitment to it, at least, was nice. Um, You know, he was not the straight man. Everyone else was. He was the one that was really committing to it. Also, a little bit of a side note, uh, Mikey Day getting a big workout this episode between the push-ups he had to do in the Drill Sergeant sketch. Now he had to do, (laughs) what, like 25 sit-ups in this sketch as well? Yep, yeah. And he got his ass kicked by Leslie Jones. It was a really tough week for him. (laughs) So we can't always end on uh, on brilliance. That's okay. Uh, Good nights was great to see everyone. Obviously, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin has to stay for the good nights when he's the host of the show. So it was nice to have him and Melissa and Tracy Morgan. Uh, So a lot of big camaraderie. I think everyone was feeling really good and good about themselves and and very warm. Uh, Ed Sheeran there as well. So nice good nights uh, to to overall i think when you look at this little run of the last two episodes uh you know we're in pretty good stead i mean those were those were two solid episodes aziz before that also very solid so hopefully as we uh, take a little break now and we head into march hopefully we're going to see some really good stuff with octavia spencer on march 4th yeah, it is interesting. When we scheduled this podcast, I don't think we realized that we would actually be doing a February in review podcast. Uh, I think a lot yeah. of us assumed that like we would maybe take a week off and then come back a week later. But I, I think we have what? We're like 14 episodes down at this point. I don't know if they're going the full 22 or something. They always going to do the three in May. But yeah, I guess we're sort of stretching things out. Uh, Octavia Spencer, uh, she's a funny woman. I know that she's obviously like she's an Oscar winner and she's been known for her more dramatic roles as of late, but I remember her being in some comedies back in the day. So I'm excited for what she can bring two weeks or two or three weeks from now. Yeah, I'm excited to see her bring her math skills because we just watched her movie a couple <laughs> weeks ago. So, yeah, I think this will be a. We- I mean, you're right, Mike. You know, just looking at the format, I loved uh, on Twitter we were talking, and I'm going to blank on who said it uh, that in the in the in the Leslie Jones pre-tape when they're in Lauren's office, you can see the mm, two cards right. for uh, March 4th and March 11th, meaning that we'll probably take off uh, for March 18th. It's going to be a little bit weirder of a of a year because last year uh we had a short we had a short march uh because of um uh easter was in march this year easter is in april so we'll probably have more episodes in march than we did last year uh but also i'm not surprised we're taking two weeks off here because we had such a front-loaded uh pre-election season that we're probably going to now see a couple of these two weeks off so we get uh we get a nice break and then we'll we'll come back hard for uh, octavia and uh, see whoever else and also 
a rare, although it certainly happens, that we don't yet know who the musical guest is for the next episode of Saturday Night Live, which which rarely happens, but uh, could be a last-minute dropout, could be that they're very close to booking someone very interesting, that they didn't close, you know, get the deal done. Uh, certainly has happened before, but uh, looking forward to it. That's it. We wrap it up here. Thank you guys for uh, participating and listening and being part of this. Mike, Jen, thank you guys so much. This is so fun to uh, to rant and rave and yell and yeah. scream. And, <laughs> and and I'm glad we disagree. Uh, Mike, anything that uh, that uh, fans should know about? Any other podcasts or anything else that you're doing that uh, people should know about? Yeah, I mean, you can check out. I'm doing a bunch of stuff on uh, Rob Has a Podcast and Reality TV Wrap Ups and all the other podcasts that I do. I do want to mention at the very end, because Rich talked about it at the very beginning, this is something that we're still trying to work with. I mean, to loosely quote the first host we talked about, I'm so effing excited that I get to talk about this again. But we're still sort of experimenting with how exactly we want to do this, how many shows we're going to cover, whether we do a highlights and lowlights, or if we go sketch by sketch. We've sort of gone between two different camps in our past two episodes so absolutely reach out to us and let us know your thoughts especially in these coming weeks while we have a couple weeks off to sort of like rest re-energize and really come up with a different game plan uh, you can always reach out to us on twitter i'm at a mike bloom type rich is at rich tack and uh, thank you all who have subscribed to the snl only feed on post show recaps uh, we were in the top 25 in tv and film in the u.s itunes the past week which feels super honored to me uh, and i can only hope that we get to have more conversations with both you all out there and with you too as well absolutely yeah definitely and I should have said early on, because to me it goes without saying, but a huge thanks to our friend Rob Sesternino for putting us in the feed and encouraging and helping us uh, continue this uh, in his absence. He couldn't be a bigger supporter and a, and a closer friend to us and to this. So we appreciate him. And Scott St. Pierre, who's still behind the scenes, uh, you know, is a, is a sage and a consult and, and someone we appreciate. So that's it for february happy black history month jen happy black history month mike <laughs> and uh, and happy valentine's day to one of you i'll uh, the other <laughs> one can figure that out and uh, we will figure it out but i'm sure we will be back in march to talk about octavia spencer and tba uh whoever else is announced we uh, i'm sure we'll talk about it on twitter in the interim and then uh, and then we'll talk so let's keep the conversation going online this has been a lot of fun so that's it thanks guys and uh we'll see you in a few weeks 